Welcome everyone uh, to the Recruitment and Careers Club podcast. We're joined today by a wonderful guest by the name of Bob Berg. So we're going to hold a special interview of about 30 minutes on Bob Berg's career and the topic of success, which is always hot in everyone's mind. So I'm just going to do a brief overview on Bob. For 30 years, Bob has helped companies, sales leaders and their teams to more effectively communicate their value sell at higher prices with less resistance and grow their businesses based on endless referrals. Bob has regularly addressed audiences ranging in size from about 50 to 16,000 people, sharing the platform with notable people, including top thought leaders, broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, political leaders, including a former United States president and now Johnny Knapp. So although for years Bob was best known for his book, Endless Referrals. It's his book, such as The Go-Giver, which I purchased myself, who he co-authored with John Mann, that captured the imagination of readers. The Go-Giver book is a Wall Street Journal and Business Week bestseller, sold more than over a million copies. So first and foremost, Bob, have I done you justice with that overview? That's very nice. Thank you so much. Great. So let's get straight into it. How did you start out on your business career? Well, I began as a broadcaster, actually, beginning in the radio, doing sports, and then um, moved to doing television news. And I, you know, I, I, it turned out I really wasn't very good at it. I could read the news. That was, you know, not really an issue, but I certainly wasn't a journalist. I was very young at the time. I think I was 24 and I really had no idea of the news, no real interest regarding the news. Again, I, I just wasn't very good at it. And I could tell it wasn't where I was going to find my niche. <laughs> and so I, I began selling. And I, for the first few months, I, I failed at that as well, because I had no idea how to sell. I'd, I'd never had any formal sales training. And the company where I was working, apparently they didn't either because they pretty much just sent me out there on my own. And I did all the mistakes that anyone who thought he knew how to sell, but really didn't could ever make. And so a few months into it, I was in a bookstore just looking for something. I, I didn't even know what, because, you know, this is 40 years ago. So back then, uh, who knew that there were even such thing as books on selling? I, you know, I really didn't know, but I happened to find two of them. One was by Tom Hopkins and one was by Zig Ziglar. And uh, it, it just gave me a lot of hope and encouragement just to know that someone had actually documented how to sell. In other words, you know, is there really a process to this? Is there really a way to do it other than just going, you know, knocking on doors, to giving your spiel and trying to, you know, <laughs> I mean, it really, I just did it all wrong. And, and it turned out, yeah, there was. And so, you know, I, I got their books and I just studied them night after night into the wee hours of the morning and applied what, what they taught. And within a few weeks, my sales began to just really take off. And so again, that was, that was encouraging to me. I now had a system for doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I personally define a system as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles, the key being predictability. So in other words, if it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know all you need to do is A and continue to do A and eventually you'll get that desired result of B. So that was, again, very encouraging. But what was best of all was, was learning that 
selling wasn't just about the the how-to aspect. It was really about growing yourself from the inside. And and so I was encouraged to to get all these books just on personal development, starting with Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People and Hill's Think and Grow Rich and Swartz's Magic of Thinking Big and and uh, you know Mandino's The Greatest Salesman in the World and and uh, Maltz's Psycho Cybernetics and yeah, you know, I started learning about myself and about human nature and about how the mind really works and and uh, I loved it. I just became a student. Because I, I certainly wasn't very good in in high school or, or college, or university as a student. This is where my education to me really, really began, and I embraced it. So after you know a few years, I began as sales manager of another company, and from there, I just started to 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 speak to people. Would ask me to you know to teach their team what was working for mine and and so forth, and taking a few edits and shortcuts here instead of going the whole long story. I began to to develop a, a career as a speaker and then an author. Absolutely fascinating. And there is this debate, sales versus marketing, when it comes to topics around business and stuff. Where, where, where do you stand on that when it comes to entrepreneurs or business founders? And in 2022, are they mutually exclusive or one has to complement the other? What, what's your thoughts on having written all these books around sales and, and around business? Oh, yeah. I think they're complementary. Yeah, it's not an either or, it's an and. I think great marketing allows you on a more macro level to be able to attract those people in your market who you want to attract and begin the no aspect. You know, I always say my, my calling card for 30 years of speaking and writing has been all things being equal. People will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Well, you can do all of those, you know, in in the pro. You have to do all those in the process, I believe. But you can more easily do that in the marketing aspect in terms of the no, for them to get to know you, and even like and trust. You can start because as you put out content and as you engage with people, you know, everything you do in the whole marketing realm is is kind of beginning that no like and trust process. And then when it comes to the actual sales part. Well, you know, the trust is is all important, and I think that's easier to do when you're in the, the actual selling process itself. But yes, they definitely, they mend. One without the, or meld. One without the other, I don't think is, is as effective. Yeah, it's fascinating how things have progressed, because there is this saying, you know, the best known beats the best. Um, and it's not a question of that, uh, me knowing them, it's about them knowing me. And it's changed sure. much sales where... When I first started, Bobby was right. Get to the phones. There's the list. And it's evolved so much. And you have to evolve with times. Otherwise, you become a bit of a dinosaur and you really lag behind. And, and I think we all need to do that in terms of professional and personal development. I was really interested around the fact that you've written, you know, about success in numerous books, such as the five laws of stratospheric success. I'm going to ask you a, a bit of a cliche question but what is your definition of success and what does it take in your opinion to be successful nowadays well success it can be defined in a number of different ways okay and, and success has a number of different meanings depending upon the context so on a very very basic level success can be the accomplishment of a certain goal two teams play each other one team wins the other loses. 
The team that won was obviously successful. The team that wasn't was not successful in terms of the win. Now, it could be that the team who lost by playing better than than what they usually play, they had a win in terms of, you know, improvement, but still in terms of the success of a game, win, lost, one team won, one team lost, one team was successful, one team wasn't. That's fine. Very legitimate definition. It could The goal could also be wanting to lose weight. So you want to lose X amount of weight in three months and you do so, well, you were successful. If you didn't, then you weren't successful, though you may have been successful to a certain level, percentile, depending upon how much weight you dropped. Okay. So again, good definitions. One of the great leaders in the personal development field, Earl Nightingale, probably 60, 70 years ago, said that success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. So to him, just progressing, making progress was success. The progressive realization, but then it was of a worthy ideal. So uh, being the top drug dealer on your block or in your neighborhood, that's not success because it's not a worthy ideal. Okay. So, and I love, so I love his definition, Esther and Jerry Hicks, who, who write the Abraham book series, they talk about success being, you know, coming down to feeling good. Okay. So if you feel good about yourself, I'd say that's certainly, you know, a, a successful. My personal definition of, of success is a genuine and ongoing feeling of, of, of happiness and satisfaction, the result of living up to your potential. Okay. So it's a genuine and ongoing feeling of happiness, okay, and satisfaction, knowing that you did your best to live up to your potential. So again, that's more of a of an overall macro look. But I believe that to the degree that you have lived up to your potential in a certain area, whether that's financial, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational, or whatever it is you are wanting to accomplish, to the degree that you lived up to your potential, that's the degree to which you are successful. Fascinating definition, and I couldn't concur more because despite an age of instant gratification culture, we're always looking to improve in terms of progression. When it comes to what it takes to be successful nowadays, what's your view on that? Do you think it's harder or it's never been a better time? Yeah, I suspect that it's never really been about a time. I think we have more opportunities now, you know, that we can find better ways to to get to where we want to be i mean look at what we have and how connected we are with each other and 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 so forth is there more competition for that sure but again i think there probably always always was you know depending upon what we what we wanted to accomplish but yeah i mean human nature is human nature and i, I suspect certain things have you know always been pretty steady over time what changes is the the opportunities in terms of methodologies in terms of platforms in terms of you know that that sort of thing so i i think it's the same as it's it's basically always been i i think you begin with it you know it, it, that's knowing what you want right knowing what it is that you desire knowing what it is you want to achieve or attain or accomplish or whatever it is you want to do it, it starts you know napoleon hill said that all great accomplishment begins with desire 
Now, we've got to be careful that the desire is not an attachment, because if we have a desire, which is great, which is very natural, very human, because as human beings, part of human nature is growth. Okay, so it makes a lot of sense. We would have desires. But when it's attachment, when we have an attachment to that desire, we can never be happy in the process because attachment by definition implies that our sense of happiness is dependent upon that desire manifesting itself. And we don't have control over that. We have control over what we do to get there, you know, the action, but we don't have control over the result attachment and that's why in in so many you know religious and spiritual traditions they talk about attachment you know most notably in, in buddhism that that attachment leads to misery right because when you're you're so emotionally dependent upon this thing happening even when you're successful you're still worried about it what happens if this what happens if that how long until this how long right and if you don't get it well you're miserable but you know because you didn't so desire great attachment not so great so it begins with desire i think any type of success then i'm a big believer that the first step because i think desire is a concept the first step to success is to seek out and find the information how is it done because I can practically guarantee you that whatever it is you want to do, whatever your desire is, someone has already accomplished it. And they have probably documented it, right? It's in a book, it's in a it, coaching, it's in, you know, in video, it's somewhere. So this is, you know, when I talked earlier about finding a system and to find that system is that process of predictably achieving that goal, right? So so seek out and find the system is number one. Step number two is to apply the information because we know that, you know, you can have the knowledge, but without the action, nothing's going to happen. And so we need to act and we need to act as soon as we have sufficient knowledge to do so. It does not mean waiting until we know it all because that's not going to happen. It doesn't even mean waiting until we're excellent. That's not going to happen. We're only going to get excellent, never get perfect, but we're only going to get excellent by taking the action and making mistakes, falling forward, getting back up, learning, adjusting, course correcting, and, and continuing to take action. So, you know, knowledge without action is the same as not having that knowledge at all. So you've got the first concept, which is desire. You've got the first step, which is to seek out and find the information. Step number two, apply the information. And then step three is to be persistent. Outlast the no's because we are going to get those no's on the way to success. Doesn't matter that we know how to do it. Doesn't matter that we take action. We're going to either make mistakes or other people are going to tell us no, and we're going to hear this and that. We're going to be discouraged because that's human nature and it's very natural. And we need to know that that's just part of the process. So we've got to pick ourselves up and keep on keep on going. A great, great book on that topic, a wonderful parable was written by my friends, uh, Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton called Go For No, where they say, you know, yes is the destination, no is how you get there, right? So it's a, a nice little parable about a copying machine salesperson who, who learns that lesson. Then, uh, so we, we've got, you know, we've got desire, we've got seek out and find the information, which is learning the system. We've got, you know, take action. We've got be persistent, outlast the nose. Then it, we kind of put the other end of that sandwich on there, that other piece of bread. Okay. This is another concept and that is belief, right? So we begin with desire. 
and we end with belief. And that belief is belief in what you're doing, belief in how it benefits the world, belief in how it benefits you, belief in yourself that you can do it, right? And when we have that that belief, you know, it really keeps us nine feet tall and, and bulletproof when, when people start firing all those, you know, things at us that, that are unpleasant. And so I really think when we look at success, if we follow that, that simple formula in a way, I think we're really you know, on our way. So many great points there. And I always say, you know, this life is about knowing more, becoming better. And for some, it's a question of enough. And when is it enough? And if it's never enough, can you actually ever have happiness because you're never satisfied with what you've got? But at the same time, that sense of not having enough can also be a driver of you continuously pursuing the next goal, the next goal. So it's a fine balance with all of these things. And I love a lot of the stuff that you mentioned there in terms of some of the ingredients and qualities of what it takes to be successful. You know, I always talk about the bouncy bum factor. You know, we're guaranteed in life to have setbacks and defeats, but it's the easy, the easy part is winning. The hard part is when we actually deal with our defeats and our losses and how we react to that. Sure. And going on to the point that I wanted to make next, you've spoken to many influential organizations, highly successful individuals, president in amongst all of that. What has it taught you about the human condition and the pursuit of success? Well, I'm a, a big studier in human nature. I have an absolute fascination with with trying to understand because I don't necessarily understand, you know, but but trying to understand human nature, why we do certain things, why we act the, the way we do, why we make the decisions we make. Again, I don't think human nature, and you know, you've got, you know, books like Robert Greene, who, who wrote a book on human nature and also has written other books, which basically all his books deal with understanding human nature, not always the good side of it either, but that's just what he writes about. But as he says, you know, it's never changed. It never will, because it's again, nature, it's human nature. Human nature is simply the general psychological, you know, feelings and characteristics, feelings, beliefs of humankind as considered shared by all humans. So we're individuals, right? We're individuals. We all have our own own things about us, right? And our own desires and our own quirks and our own challenges and our own way of pursuing happiness, our own likes and dislikes and absolutely as individuals. And there are those general psychological characteristics, feelings, and behavioral traits that all human beings share. Okay. When we understand this, I, I think that's when we're really, you know, nine steps ahead of the game in a 10 step game. So, you know, what is it that we, that we truly know about, about hum human nature? One is the desire for happiness. One of my old heroes, Harry Brown used to say that, you know, everyone seeks happiness. Now, happiness, we always have to ask, what's, what do we mean by that? What's the definition? Just like with success, you asked a great question. How do you define success? Because if you don't ask and have a definition, how can you know what you're real, what each party is talking about? So, you know, he used a very, a very basic dictionary definition, which is the mental feeling of well-being. Now, when you, when you define happiness that way, yeah, everyone seeks happiness. Everyone wants to have that mental feeling of well-being. Okay. Now, 
But there's something else. And that is, as Harry said, happiness is relative. We all understand happiness as individuals. We understand happiness differently. Thus, we place different values on different things. So what would what would make one person very happy would make another person miserable, right? Or might be meaningless to someone else. So we all seek happiness, that mental feeling of well-being. We understand happiness differently, individually. And then the third is resources are limited. Now, uh, this is not to be confused with a lack mentality. No, we live in an abundant universe. But what he was saying was resources, and, and as uh, in terms of we all have, no matter who we are, to whatever degree it is, we all have a limited amount of time, a lim- limited amount of money, a limited amount of knowledge, a limited amount of energy, right? A limited amount, right? So, so we're always, that means we're constantly having to make choices throughout the day. Now, some of these choices are are conscious. Most of them are unconscious, but we're always making choices. And those choices are always between whether this thing we're about to do, this action about that we're about to take, this thing we're about to buy, this whatever it happens to be, is it more likely to bring us closer to happiness based on how we understand happiness and based on the limited choices that we have, the options that we have. Now, if we understand this, and then we also understand something that Dale Carnegie said, what I believe was his 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 underlying premise in his classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this is where he wrote, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. Now, what are their reasons? Well, we don't know the individual ones necessarily, but we do know it's seeking happiness based on their understanding of happiness and based on the limited amount of choices that they have. Okay. So if we approach our dealings with others that way, it means we know that if we want to attain the results we want when dealing with another human being, we've got to make it about them. We've got to find a way to first understand what would make them happy, okay, and how to help communicate that to them. I mean, this is sales, basically, right? And everything is, <laughs> right? So, so that's really, you know, when we when we talk about that, that's really what we're that's really what we're we're saying. And I think that's you know, when it comes to success, I think one of the most important things we can do is learn about human nature because that's who we're dealing with. And that's who we're working with. And that's who we need to have working with us if we're going to accomplish things. So true. It's absolutely true. And that will not go away. I totally agree. Human nature is human nature. And I think if you have happiness, then that is the ultimate form of success because so many people are simply unhappy. I always give a quote, 85% of people are unhappy in their jobs and they're miserable in what they're doing. And in the end, at the end of life, you have your memories and those loved ones around you, and you've enjoyed the journey, enjoyed the ride, and the experiences you've had. And you're in that place of happiness. They say the richest met person in the world is, is the person who's happy with their lot. And I want to the last final two questions before we sum up. What's the hardest lesson you've learned in your career and life? Bob? Well, I think with me. It, it, you know, I, I like a phrase as my life became better 
the day I realized that I was not the general manager of the universe, <laughs> that I was neither qualified to be, that I did not have the skill set, and that people weren't going to do what I necessarily felt was best. Right. That's when it kind of changed for me because, again, there was attach. I had attachment to things being a certain way. In order for me to be happy, people had to do X, Y, or Z. We have no control over that. Right. A book I'm reading right now that, I, you know, I've read several of Mike, Michael uh, Singer's books, The Untethered Soul, The Surrender Experiment, and now his latest one, which I'm just blown away by, is Living Untethered. I think that's a, a book. That we all need to read. I, I like to say, as I'm, I'm about halfway through it, and I'm, I'm saying, and I'm reading it so slowly. I mean, everything is highlighted, underlined, notes, going back, rereading and rereading. It's, and I think that book is great for anyone who has ever had problems in life that they knew were self-inflicted, that they didn't necessarily feel happy, okay, and they wanted to know why that was and what they can do about it. And so as I'm reading what he's talking about, I'm going back to everything. And again, it was probably, you know, I'm 64. So it was probably about 35, 40 years ago is when I'm more about 35 years ago when I discovered that general manager of the universe thing. Right. And my life became a lot better. But boy, do I wish I had had that book, you know, <laughs> many, many years before that. <laughs> and it would have saved me a lot of grief. And even even still, even when I know there's still things that over the last 35 years that have happened that, again, if I was not conscious of why I was feeling miserable about something, I was miserable about it. And I'll guarantee you I could go back to every single one of them. And it was because something didn't work out the way I necessarily wanted it to work out. And, you know, and that, that's really what it comes down to. I absolutely love that. And in terms of my penultimate question, what are you most proud about that you've done today? I think that I've been able to reach out in a way that's that's brought value to a, a number of people. And I've been able to make a living and make a life by, I, I mean, it sounds, you know, just strange to say, by by helping others, by, by adding value to others. And, and uh, I mean, really anyone does that the way when they, when, if they're doing something and being paid for it, it's because they're adding value. Okay. But I think with me, it's I, what I feel good about. I don't know if it's proud or just that I take joy in that I've been able to, to make a living by bringing value, I think, to people's lives that have helped them in, in some, sometimes in significant ways. And that's testimony to the person you are and, and success you've had, oh. you know. Living up has been your uh, your your forte. And lastly, what's next for Bob? And what's the best contacts that people can reach out to you on? Because I've been inspired by you and your book. Oh, so. Thank you. Well, you know, and I and I thank my co-author John David Mann of the Go Giver series because you know he was the lead writer and storyteller. I mean, he's a he's a magician when it comes to writing. I'm much more of a how to guy, as you can probably tell, just you know from our conversation. My business partner Kathy Tajnell and I have what we have called what we call the Go Giver Community. It's an online membership community network, and so we we love that. And I would say that's what's next, but it's also what's now, and it's going to be now and next for the next. 20 years probably until I'm no longer working. <laughs> so, and people can find that. They can either go to Berg, B U R G.com, or they can go right to the Go Giver Community.com. 
production. Well, I'd say to anyone, reach out to Bob. He's an amazing person, an inspiring person. So look at that book, Go Giver. I, like I said, I've purchased it myself. Look at the community that he's fostered. You can also reach out to him on LinkedIn and Instagram, Bob Berg, and I'll put it in the notes. I want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Bob. The pleasure and honor is mine, Johnny. I love the work you're doing, and I thank you for having me. Thank you.